Slice Audio. Citizens arrest! See, I was hoping that I, I could start it and then Go around Kelvin, the table. Kelvin could finish it off. Oh, okay. Let's try that one. Citizens rest! Ooh, wow. Go team. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> Here we are. Good morning. Episode five of Citizens Rest. What season? Season three. All right. Season three it is. Wow. <laughs> Coming out on Netflix soon. Ooh. No, not Might really. Might be. What's our first question? First question is, uh, what's been going on in Rapid? We've had some crazy stuff. Terroristic threats. Some people jumping out the second floor. without. Homicide. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, the business never stops for us. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, even if we take a little break from uh, the podcast, uh, we, we still got a lot of work to do. Uh, and yeah, it's been busy. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Well, terroristic threats seems a little <laughs> high on the high on the thing. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> this was an incident at a uh, local church over on East New York, I believe. Or, yeah. No, on just New York Street. Uh, this was a uh, individual that uh, had been in, inside the church, um, had a little bit of a disagreement with uh, how the church was handling his offering, and so went out to the parking lot, uh, indicated that he had a gun, and that he potentially had intentions to uh, use that gun on people inside the church, and so... Um, uh, we got the report. There were uh, individuals in the church that uh, had got him out to the parking lot, started barricading the church for safety, uh, called it in. Uh, we ended up getting a vehicle description, uh, found him a short time later, got the, the vehicle stopped, located a rifle in in the vehicle. Um, he was detained um, ultimately uh, at during the course of the investigation, we brought in the witnesses to positively identify uh, the male as the the person who um, made the threats and the perpetrator. The perpetrator, yeah. And uh, so he was placed under arrest for uh, not a very common charge that we 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 dole out, but it's called terroristic threats. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. that does, that probably doesn't um, go well for future endeavors for this gentleman. Mm-hmm. Like as far as. Home loans to possibly jobs. Yeah, you know, when you, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a potential of that going federal. You know, um, there's always a chance, but uh, we have had these types of charges every so often. But it's it's rare. Uh, these types of charges occur. Like, uh, I mean, I only think of a small handful. You know, we've had them where they've made these types of threats over the telephone. Uh, this one was in person, which is. Uh, which is a little more scarier, I would say. But uh, every once in a while, we come across these, but not to this extent. No, mm-hmm. that's scary. Mm-hmm. It is scary. Yep. Uh, threatening to use a firearm to uh, settle your disputes, especially like when you're talking about uh, a large group of people, is not the way to settle your disputes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, we've also had other things in the community as well. Uh, you mentioned something about. Um, uh, so somebody wanting to use a knife at a hotel. Mm-hmm. So we had a uh, hotel on uh, La Crosse Street that had uh, given us a call, uh, wanted to report uh, a female inside the lobby that was threatening to uh, stab uh, people inside the lobby. Um, once we got there, uh, the witnesses had indicated that she 
had fled to a room on the second floor. And so uh, we knocked on the door, weren't getting much compliance. But uh, while we're, we're working to, to um, uh, get in contact with this female, uh, a person from another adjacent room comes out and says, hey, <clears throat> I just watched uh, a female jump out the, the window of the room that you're, you're dealing with right now. Oof. And uh, mm. fortunate, fortunately enough, we had officers positioned in the, in the parking lot and were able to uh, get her detained. She made the jump okay? No, not, not so much. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, she, she did require a little bit of medical attention, uh, but we uh, eventually got her uh, identified and uh, the, the individuals that were threatened with uh, the knife in the lobby were able to positively identify her as, as the suspect responsible. And so we were able to uh, get her uh, charged up with uh, um, some counts of aggravated assault and taken to jail. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Hopefully she can get into a better mindset. Hopefully. Any, and, other, uh, any other knife kind of situations? You know, you know the, uh, um, uh, the second part of that story is that uh, once we did end up getting access to that, that hotel room, we found uh, two individuals, uh, two males inside the room, uh, and uh, a, a number of drug items and oh. associated paraphernalia. They were both on, on parole, and so they, uh, they got some... Uh, charges associated with that too so um, definitely some not good behavior or not good responsible activities going on in that mm-hmm. hotel room yeah that's unfortunate you know i wonder in situations like that <clears throat> if they how much they were involved i would assume they were fully involved with the drugs and everything oh yeah but how much of it was hey swing by i've got a room and check it out and then that goes down and they're just sitting in that room going crap <laughs> you know well if it I'll, I'll just sit. I'll, I'll 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 paint the picture like this. If you were trying to have a relaxing getaway in a hotel room to use your drugs, um, the uh, one of the worst things you can do is attract attention to yourself and go into the lobby and attempt to stab people yeah, and yeah. then retreat to that same room. So. Okay. Drugs affect everybody differently. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a shooting uh, also, correct? Or uh, there was one, uh, well, there was a shooting up in uh, Pine Ridge. I guess that uh, happened April 1st. Here, mm-hmm. just a few days ago, we were able to work a little bit with uh, the authorities up in Pine Ridge and even the FBI. They tracked one of the uh, shooting suspects, uh, Trent Brewer, back to Rapid City. Mm-hmm. Um, and the FBI put together a team and was able to find Trent in a uh, local Rapid City home, and uh, we swooped in with the FBI to help get Trent uh, brought into custody. So that was kind of a big win for uh, OST, the Rapid City Police Department, and the FBI. So hopefully that investigation is progressing nicely now that we're starting the beginning of another week. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that brings up another question, too, that maybe, I mean, I don't fully understand, but maybe nobody really knows is that, when there's a crime committed on the reservation or like on for Pine Ridge and then they get up the the jurisdiction lines there right you said FBI 
Yeah. It's federal, yeah. So, you know, when we're dealing with a crime of this magnitude, with it being a homicide investigation, yeah, there's many, many different hands in the pot. Uh, in this case, the FBI was uh, one of the lead agencies up there with the Pine Ridge investigation. And, of course, they're going to have uh, officers down there all in the middle of that investigation as well. But when that person flees uh, is what they'll go for is generally like a warrant through the federal government system. And if they... Mm -hmm. I don't, in this case, so the suspect in this matter fled to Rapid City, and uh, that's uh, where the FBI became involved as far as tracking him and putting resources on him to try to locate him. And, of course, uh, when they show up here, they only have so many agents and whatnot to work with in different areas of South Dakota. So they'll reach out to local law enforcement, and the Rapid City Police Department was uh, welcome to help them out. Mm -hmm. Now, were the FBI involved because of the severity of the crime or because of the location of the crime? Um, so it's a little of both is my understanding. Uh, in this case, the uh, OST, you know, they'll generally call the FBI and ask for their assistance when they have a crime of this magnitude. And then the FBI will respond and generally offer all their resources to help bring the uh, perpetrator to justice. Mm. Cool. All right, so, quite a question from the public. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, we're ready. My question is, why is shoot-to-kill protocol with the police? It seems like it's just a mercy killing for these people. They should spend the rest of their life in prison. That's me, though. But the other people think you are only killing natives, and they're teaching their young ones to fear you. Why not shoot to maim? So I'm a little confused on the question. But Perhaps we should just start with, uh, you know, when when we're put in a position to use lethal force. Yeah. Uh, the goal is not to kill, but it is simply to stop the threat. Um, and the way to do that, the most effective way to um, reduce the chances of that individual uh, who may be armed with a knife, maybe armed with a gun, uh, the the way to reduce their chances of, of hurting or significantly injuring or potentially killing somebody else is to fire um, at the biggest portion of their body that exists, and we call that center of mass. And so what people don't often think about in terms of officer-involved shootings is as soon as that threat is reduced, as soon as we can, we can – look at that situation and, and say that that person is no longer a threat to uh, either the officer or other citizens in the area, then we go into rescue mode. Once, once we neutralize them as a threat, then we now have the responsibility of going in and rendering immediate first aid services until we can get a, a medical unit on scene. So in the flip of a switch, we go from uh, countering lethal force with lethal force to now we are rendering first aid to that individual. Right. And I mean, one of the first things that come to my mind is, is I've had people ask, uh, why don't you just shoot them in the hand? Why didn't you shoot the knife out of their hand? Or why didn't you shoot them in the leg? And quite frankly, when I would, if I was to get faced with a lethal force situation or if someone was coming at me with a with the firearm or with a knife or whatever it would be, um, the, the first thing in my mind is I want to survive and I want to protect those people that are around me. I am not going to take the chance of shooting like their legs or shooting mm -hmm. their hands and, and give that 
opportunity of me missing. Uh, I want to stop that threat as soon as possible. And quite frankly, uh, God forbid that I'm ever in such of a situation. I, I haven't been in my 20 plus year law enforcement career, but if I am, I don't think uh, whether or not that person is going to survive is going to be at the top of my mind. It's what's going to be at the top of my mind is making sure that those people that are around me are going to be able to walk away from this incident as well as myself. So, Well, I, I can remember going into this more in depth in the citizen's arrest class um, um, because I can remember going in there and then going into more depth, like what level of force can you use, what deems okay, mm-hmm. the person's just yelling at you. Okay. Right. No. No need. Let's talk the situation down. Oh, now they they've got a bat or a something. It's like okay, maybe a taser level or and then you know the whoever led that class I don't remember, but did a really good job of explaining kind of the different levels of force to the now my life is threatened and or people around me's life is threatened. Now I have to. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different situations that our officers encounter. You just mentioned a bat, and you might come up across of a situation where an individual has a bat, and you might have a great deal of distance between you and that person, and you might be able to talk to them for a while. But if that person decides to uh, come at you with a bat, and uh, that officer has to weigh the circumstances that they're faced with, they have other options. They have the taser. They have pepper spray. Um, You know, does this person believe that or does this officer believe that they're going to you know lose their life because this person is going to hit them with a bat and if that's the case well then yeah lethal force would be justified but then again uh, if it's one of those small little tiny bats and the officer thinks that they can overcome that threat with the tools that they got on their belt we're going to try other things if we can Mm -hmm. the other thought too about maiming that i was thinking about while you were explaining that you you explain well about like missing Shooting a hand, you're, I mean, you hold up your hand while you're listening to this right now, and yeah. shooting that target is really hard. And also, what's behind it? Right. Let's paint a picture of in front of a gas station, and they've you you shoot their hand. What if you miss, and it goes into the gas station, and now you're mm-hmm. who knows where that bullet's going, mm-hmm. you know, and or the arm, or, or the I mean, the leg, or anything, it, you know, it bounces off the concrete, and that's where my mind goes is the reflection of it. I'm just thinking of shooting out in the woods is the same. Right. concept you know well and and uh a, a situation uh described by the the question asker uh it is probably a situation in which you have the the luxury of time mm-hmm. uh the luxury of time is not often uh, afforded to us in the world of law enforcement uh to where we have to make split second decisions we we have to you know think about the safety of of the public, we have to think about the the safety of our officers, uh, of the the suspect. But in in terms of a, a situation where you have an officer involved shooting or must use lethal force, that situation is is predicated by the decisions that the offender is making, and so we we have to be able to react to the behavior that we're seeing on their part. Can you please explain shoot to maim? Because I didn't know what that meant. Well, I think is what... I think it's shoot to injure, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of... Right. And that's where I'm thinking about, uh, you know, shooting hands or shooting legs. And, you know, you see a lot of 
awesome accuracy shots in Hollywood. <laughs> but uh, I got to tell you, if you are out on the street and if you are faced with a deadly force encounter with the adrenaline and everything else that might be going on in that officer's mind and the elevated heart rate and you might be winded, uh, all of that's going to play and even distance is going to come into play on whether or not you can actually put an accurate shot downrange to hit the target of which you're you're trying to trying to hit and to try to hit a hand or to try to hit some moving legs uh, that could be difficult in comparison to try to shoot center mass to uh, stop that particular threat that you're faced with mm -hmm. I, look, I look up the definition of maim to inflict serious bodily injury on someone resulting in permanent damage and the other part of the question about only killing natives and teaching their young ones to fear you so teaching the young ones to fear the police, you know. The, the native young ones. I, I don't see where the police have ever actually taught something like that. That would be, that would be completely a surprise to me. Why no, we would we ever try to no, do that? No, I don't that. think they're saying that. I, I, I think we're talking about within, within the culture. Right. The culture is teaching their young ones to, to fear the police. So I guess... Yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that, really. Yeah. Uh, what it comes down to is that, you know, in a situation where you are forced to use uh, a, a lethal level of, of action on somebody, you don't have time to figure out what race that person is. Um, we're talking about, like, the time it takes to snap your finger. Maybe snap it twice. Uh, you've got to identify a thr threat. Um, you've got to uh, determine whether that threat is real and determine how you are going to react to that. And in no part of that equation does race come into, uh, in, into, the, into the question. Um, it is simply responding to a behavior or an action that is presented to you that you deem as dangerous to yourself or dangerous to other members of the public. And so I can, I can confidently say it's not a race thing. It is simply a reaction to a threat. You know, I, I see perhaps when things like this happen, you know, there may be that perception as, as far as, um, I mean, we hear it all the time that uh, uh, the Rapid City Police Department had shot another Native American. But along with that, I think it may be perhaps if children are involved and they see that, if the parents would sit back with those children and maybe explain the circumstances that, uh, in this case, maybe the uh, perpetrator in this matter, uh, because of his actions, this is what that individual was faced with from the police department, and this is what happened as, as a result of it. Um, and hopefully explain it to their kids to where they don't have to be afraid of the police department. Mm -hmm. They can understand maybe a little bit more why we did what we did. Mm -hmm. All right, good answer. And uh, this person that sent in that question said this is their favorite podcast, by the way. Well, very well, cool, and, very and, cool. And we appreciate the question. You know, oftentimes, uh, you know, it, it's, it's getting prompted with the tough questions that creates the best understanding. And so I, I appreciate their question. I hope that they appreciate, you know, us being a little bit candid with our response. Mm -hmm. But that's exactly yeah. how it is. And, and all the factors that go into 
I mean, officer-involved shootings are tough to talk about. Right. The the all the factors that go into them are tough to talk about. Right. But these are the type of questions that that help us generate that level of understanding in the community. So we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. and improve that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely mm-hmm. these these conversations do need to be had. So mm-hmm. those questions are very important. Yeah. And I got to tell you, one of the things that actually came to my mind when I was trying to formulate a response to the question was, is I got to tell you, one of the things that does kind of bug me about the community in regards to teaching their kids to fear law enforcement, and it might even be something that isn't even intentional, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's often times where, you know, I'll be like in a fast food restaurant or or wherever it may be, and the parent will look down at their kid and say, I'm going to tell him to arrest you you want to go to you want to go to JSC I want to that's like please don't do that that's just uh, and some of these kids actually believe it and uh, they're just you know they're joking around with their kid and they're trying to pull maybe like an April Fool's joke on them like I'm gonna tell them to arrest you or I'm gonna tell them to bring you to JDC but yeah it's it's that's not a cool thing please please don't do that yeah uh, using the the police as a threat on your your children does no favors for anybody that's a good point to make yeah and then we have a children's question from my child (laughs) and he does love police officers Mm -hmm. (laughs) he said did the Easter Bunny come to your house yes I got a great big bag full of candy, a couple bottled Coca-Cola, no, no Mountain Dew, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got a nice, it's called dirt cake, so I was pretty, ex- pretty excited cake. about it. Yeah, dirt cake, it's like a chocolate cake, and it's got a lot of whipped cream, and it's got uh, white chocolate mousse pudding in it with uh, ground-up Oreos. It's oh, fabulous. Oh, anything with Oreos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, the Easter Bunny did stop by my house today. but uh, Today? Um, uh, or, uh, sorry, over the weekend. The, the Easter Bunny did stop by my house over the weekend. And uh, I, I will say that... Uh, the, the treats that the Easter Bunny left behind played no role in the time that I showed up to this podcast this morning. <laughs> you got a sugar hangover? <laughs> Possibly? Maybe. <laughs> He's referring to Kelvin, <laughs> who showed it a little bit late. It's all right. We'll forgive him. <laughs> yeah. I could go for some more sugar. I know uh, I had a ton of pie. Over the weekend, Ooh. pie just was a thing over the weekend. Some huh. of the shows I played, mm-hmm. I got pie there. I also got pie at my mom's house on Sunday. A lot of pie, it like was good. A, a wide assortment of pie. Yeah, yeah. I went from a cheesecake to a Reese's peanut butter cup pie, which was the richest of them all, mm-hmm. to having an apple banana cream pie or apple one pie, banana cream pie, second pie, third pie that my mom made was a coconut cream pie. Mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I consumed so many calories this weekend. I'm good for a year. Awesome. Sounds amazing. Yeah. See, I just got one more thing on my mind. I just got to share it because uh, Can you this, please this is kind of banging this, your phone against the you microphone. Know, that would probably help. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the whole, uh, you know, threatening your kids that the police are going to arrest you. The other one, too, that I, I kind of, you know, chuckle at is, is we've all seen it you go into a place and this used to happen to me all the time at if bar I, scenes if i had a nickel at bar scenes <laughs> he did it he did it and he's pointing at his buddy that he did it 
You might not want to do that if your buddy actually has a warrant for their arrest. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, let's check them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, or, you know, the, the other one I see all the time is you, you walk into a public place and they're like, it wasn't me. It, oh, wow. It wasn't yeah, me. Yeah. I'm guilty for that one. Yeah. If I had a nickel. I had a nickel for everything. The other thing I'm guilty of doing, and uh, we have video of evidence of this, so it's not good. But uh, I pull up next to cops at a stoplight, oh, yeah. and then I if roll I had down a the nickel. window. You'd have a nickel is all you'd have. But I roll down the window, and I say, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, when this light turns green, I'm going for it. And it's always fun to hear the officer's responses because – it always depends. This this one that they videoed, the guy was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, that's valid. Uh, I did it with my wife in the car to somebody, not of the Rapid City Police Department, possibly of some sort of a sheriff's department. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, awesome, go for it. <laughs> and he was in the turning lane, and I'm like, Wait, is this? Are you joking with me? And he's like, "No, yeah, go for it." <laughs> I think he's trying to set me up. I think you're making their day, actually, yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Well, I hope. I I just want. What's your stance on family? What do you mean? <laughs> on racing? No, no, just on family. I love family. Okay. Oh yeah, because oh, in the movie, it's family is You know, in those, I got to tell you those those types of comments. If someone was to pull up to me and say that to me, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, you yeah. could have that kind of interaction with the community, and you know, puts a smile on your yep. face, and it brightens everyone's day. And yeah, it's I always very try cool. to end the conversation with, "I hope you have nothing to do today," yeah. because really, that would be the perfect day for a police officer is just Wait. being a, being involved in the community and not having to. Go to any emergency calls, not having to pull anybody over, not having to, nothing. Just those uh, those nice conversations, uh, even people walking up to us and shaking our hands, uh, we enjoy those types of conversations. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing because, quite frankly, uh, the other part of our day, the conversations that we sometimes have are not so friendly at times mm-hmm. yeah. or can turn very ugly or can be very sad. Um, or we're, we're talking about things that have happened to people on, you know, on their on their worst days. Mm-hmm. But to be confronted with, uh, <laughs> you know, I live at a quarter of a mile at a time, or or whatever yeah. else someone wants to bring to us. Yeah, I'm not to remember that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we're humans too. That's that's what yep. I hope everybody remembers is that you, you are know, you. People <laughs> who work in law enforcement are humans too. I didn't know that. And we have. We have a sense of humor. So, <gasps> yeah. Now, thinking of racing the officers, who's got the fastest car on the force? Who, which one? So, if I pull up next to them, I know, like, I stand the least chance. Because I remember doing the, the driving thing, and I remember the, the West um, car, the West Wolves yeah. middle school car. That car is pretty hopped up. Yeah, that's a pretty cool car. We've had that car for a while. Um you know, we've also got our Dodge Chargers and our Dodge uh, Durangos. Uh, yeah, our, our cars are pretty quick. They get us to where we need to go in a hurry, but safely. But if you really want to know who has the fastest car, that would be the number 43 car 
of Kelvin <laughs> Mosier in oh. the Iron Thunder Racing League series <laughs> on Tuesday nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh my not, god! Not sponsored by taxpayer dollars. By <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about my uh, online yeah. racing yep, career. Yep. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I should get on there and just to try to give you a little Tuesday run for nights. Your money. Tuesday <laughs> nights. Tune in. I could use your support. Wow, he has a scheduled time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a place for fans to sit and watch? Yes, <laughs> it's on YouTube Tuesday nights. Iron Thunder yeah, Racing League. See my little digital big. arm waving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, type in your comments. Uh, maybe who knows if you if you comment enough, you might even get some merch sent your way. Ooh, oh, he does have merch. Right. Let's <laughs> go. I, I I do possess a uh, Mosier Motorsports uh, racing mug. Yes. I would love a 2XL Mosier <laughs> Racing Club t-shirt. Well, you, might, you might get one. We'll see. It would be awesome. Because then you'd see me in the front row. I know Mosier. He always goes the outside. <laughs> Police officers are human, too. We are human, too. And we're, we're giant nerds. <laughs> well, thanks for coming in today and answering all these questions. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you, and stay safe out there. Thank all you. right. Till next time. Till next time. Citizens Arrest is hosted by Amy Rose, Brandon Jones, Brendan Medina, and Lieutenant Mosier. Produced by Mark Houston. Engineered by Chris Jacquez. Audio and video mastered by Russ Haddon. If you liked what you heard, please rate it five stars and leave a comment. Affirmative.